Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth with your host, Diane Helbig. Diane is a leading small business development and leadership coach, author, and speaker who is passionate about sharing valuable ideas, tips, and techniques with business professionals worldwide. Diane brings you the world's experts and gurus in all things business, whether it's sales, structure, social media, planning, or plateauing, guests bring their expertise and energy to each episode. When growing your business is your focus, Accelerate Your Business Growth is the show to listen to. Got a topic or guest suggestion? Let Diane know. The goal is to make sure you have the information you need to move your business forward. Thanks for joining us. Settle in and enjoy. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today. This podcast is sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free book when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth. Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast continues to enjoy inclusion on lists of the best podcasts to listen to and uh, is continuing to receive recognition as a great resource for small business owners, entrepreneurs, and sales professionals. This is due in large part to the guests who join me. Uh, These are folks with um, expertise in a certain area or areas of business, and they give of their time and their knowledge so that you can do better things in your business. Today is no exception. My guest today is Bill Troy. Bill is an author, speaker, Inc. 500 CEO, and a natural-born contrarian who, for over 25 years, has helped global brands like Sony, Disney, and Nestle see the world from a different perspective. As CEO of Civilis Marketing, Bill and his team help companies initiate and nurture relationships that drive business growth without resorting to high-pressure, high-volume, automated techniques. Bill's crusade is to rid the world of the garbage that floods our inboxes and help business owners avoid the clicksand trap with honest, authentic marketing. Thank you so much for joining me today, Bill. Sure. Happy to be here. (laughs) I just love this whole belief system. (laughs) 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 Like you're you're just speaking right to me. So... um, I, I am so thrilled we're going to be talking about marketing and, and what to do and what not to do. Um, but I sort of want to jump in on, you know, today we're going to be talking mostly about 
online marketing and how it's right. really, you know, detrimental. So yeah. talk to me some about um, really how online um, online marketing program can really hurt a business. Right. So uh, the big, I, you know, to sum it all up in just a sentence or two, you know, we certainly can, you know, peel this onion back and a, a lot of layers, but um, online marketing is having a moment right now uh, in the marketing world that other kinds of marketing haven't had or certainly don't have now. I mean, it's the thing at every conference, you know, everybody's talking about it on podcasts and no one's doing, you know, speaking engagements and podcasts on, you know, signage out front on your building, right. Or business cards or, you know, promotional giveaway keychains. It's like, for some reason, online marketing has this hold on people's imagination right now. And, um, the reason that is the case is that we're just enamored with everything technology these days. And also uh, one of the things I point out in the book is that it's addictive and it's built to be addictive. You know, there's a joke going around in the marketing world these days that I don't know if it's made it to general mainstream conversation, but uh, you know, the Facebook is big tobacco, right? It's addictive and it's about to be, uh, you know, um, regulated. Um, so it's just got a hold on the imagination of business people that they can use the right tricky keyword or the right subject line in their email and again, customers will just flow into their inbox magically. And it's just not true. Um, it sounds really great, but it's one of those things that sounds too good to be true. But so many businesses are falling for it. And uh, that's really what I'm kind of out railing against. There really isn't anything inherently wrong uh, with online marketing. It's no different than any other kind of marketing. It's up for appropriate in some situations, but it's just gone crazy. And the people that sell it are selling it as though it's the answer to every single thing that bothers you. So that's what, that's what I'm out talking about. Yeah, boy. And, and um, I feel like people are like buying into this whole idea that this is the one and only thing that they need to yeah. do. And if they do it yeah. a certain way, right. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. and it, it's, ugh. Like on LinkedIn, I get yeah. non stop oh, yes. the same email, right? The same yeah. message from people. And yeah. I just think, would you guys all take the same webinar? Like, what yes. is going on here? Well, oh. you know, it's funny uh, because that's one, of the, that's one of the things that I, the business owners that, that start using this marketing don't realize. So it's, it's always hilarious to me that they think they hate getting it, but somehow they think we're going to love receiving it. But okay, that's a separate <laughs> topic. But this idea, I think the really corrosive thing about online marketing and the way it's sold and, and the way, uh, I call them pitchmen. I think the online marketers, a lot of them are pitchmen just selling this uh, as a panacea to people and they're falling for it. And they're pitching it to you as though it's just a, it's just a secret recipe. If you just get the right keywords, the right subject line, the right message, the right, it'll, it'll magically work. And what they're doing is they're teaching you that the recipient doesn't matter that it's just about what you say. It's like the right come on line, the right pickup line, and you'll get lucky, right? It's like, well, that's just a, a icky way to start a relationship. And the person on the other end receiving that pickup line can see it, see through it easily. And, yeah. and you know, and, and so you're turning people off. So you end up starting to think of your customers as someone to manipulate and trick. And, uh, and that's just the complete wrong way to start a relationship that you hope will be a fruitful, productive, long-term relationship with anyone in business or not business. But the marketers make it seem like it's going to be so quick and easy and they're going to click on this thing and it, it, go, it goes the other way. You actually damage the relationships that you need by treating people like they're a commodity and like they don't mean anything to you.
oh my gosh, it is so true. And and it feels like it's like the old way of doing sales, that old um, sort of, if if you're really slick and you're really clever and you're really persuasive, people will want to buy from you. And no one ever yeah. liked those salespeople. And they right. especially don't right. like them now. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. It's the modern leisure suit. Like, yeah. do, don't do that. <laughs> you don't look good when you go out in that. <laughs> you think you do, but yeah, yeah right. But we're here but to tell you, you, you don't. That old school stuff, because in a way, what we're talking about, what we do is civilist marketing. But I think the, you know, the thing that's going to happen in marketing anyway, I think we're going to have a, a snapback on this, is that we're going to realize that, yes, uh, marketers invented some slick tools and slip, slick reports and dashboards and all that sort of, st- sort of stuff. But what didn't change is the DNA of the person on the other end. The customer. Yeah. They're still a human being with needs and wants and fears and questions. And that didn't change just because, you know, some guy invented something in his dorm room that can allow you to, you know, send a million messages with one click. The person on the other end is still the same that they always were. So what we spend a lot of time talking about is, okay, fine. We all live in a world where we have to email back and forth. You can't just talk to everyone in person. But let's make sure we're using it in a way that's still authentic to that human on the other end and not, you know, not these destructive ways where we're just automating things. So it's, so we end up spending a lot of time talking about really old school stuff, like real human relationship stuff. And then, okay, we'll use the tools that are appropriate for that. Instead of starting with the tool, and then say, how do I use this? You know, so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk about that. So if, if yeah. we, if we want to make sure that we're not using it in a way that that's damaging, how does a business owner build their, but you know, how do they, do you suggest they market? How do they build their business in a way that's effective and I guess still be able to use online? Yeah. Effective. Yeah, I'll give you an example. Uh, really, what we do with clients is we start by saying, and most of the companies that we work with have a couple of criteria. One, they're already successful businesses. They're not a brand new startup. Um, but the second thing is, is that they have probably already tried the online thing and realized it wasn't working or suspect it wasn't working. And they're looking for like, okay, how do I fix this? And we're often telling them, yeah, just stop it. Yeah. <laughs> but what we do with them is um, we go back and say, let's look at how you've actually gotten real customers in the past. So tell me who your three best customers ever have been. And how did you get them? Where did they come from? What were their issues? What were they dealing with? How long did it take to get them? And go back and deconstruct what actually has really happened. And you'll find that it was a complicated path. There were third parties involved that referred people in or previous employees who knew someone. Or there were, there were a lot of components to that relationship that were not just a keyword or a, a tricky ad or photo. And then build your marketing around that. And so I'll give you a quick example of how this uh, translates into the modern digital world. LinkedIn, you mentioned that. That's, a, that's one we spend a lot of time talking to businesses about because it's primarily the business, you know, primarily a business platform. So many people today are using LinkedIn in what I call the clicksand way, where it's about high volume, tricky things. Like you said, we get all these messages every day. Hey, we have a lot of connections in common. We should meet or, you know, we should link. No, we shouldn't meet because they don't want to actually talk to you. We should connect (laughs) so I can continue to send you even more messages. Uh, So that's the wrong way to use that tool. But let's talk about what the right way is to use LinkedIn. In the old days, and I've got some gray hair on my head, so I can tell you that I used to do sales before. Actually, I did sales. I traveled and did sales before mobile phones, so way before smart technology and computers. But 
The first thing you would do when you would visit a client and you went into their office is you'd look at the wall and you'd see the fly fishing photo and you'd see the Notre Dame diploma. Well, of course, you would talk about fly fishing and Notre Dame, right? Hey, you know, even if I'm not into fly fishing, well, I'm going to find some way to break, you know, build rapport with that person and say, hey, you love to, where do you travel? Where do you go fishing? Where'd you catch that? And then maybe they love fishing in Montana and I'm not a fisherman, but I love hiking. So I'm like, oh, I love hiking in Montana. So you start finding ways to find things in common with that person. And you do that by seeing what's important to them and what they put out to the world. Well, LinkedIn is exactly the same. People put on LinkedIn where they went to school, with their, you know, their alma mater, what charities they support. Um, but nobody takes the time to look at that and get to know that person and build rapport with them. So if you send a LinkedIn message to someone um, about something they care about versus something you care about, what you're trying to get in the world, you're going to have a lot better chance of building an actual relationship. So you can use modern tools in the same traditional rapport building, relationship building way if you just come at it from that mindset. Okay. I would like you to speak to something that I am hearing in this, mm-hmm. um, and yeah. that is that it's not a quick fix that marketing takes time. Can, can you like talk some about that? Cause I think this yeah. is part of the problem. As you said, the people think, you know, they're, they're just, they yeah. just are looking for the quick hit everywhere and they're actually destroying the reputation. But anyway, talk, can yeah. you talk some about the time that it takes to market effectively, if you would. Yeah, well, so that's different for every single product and industry. And so that's a lot of what we do when we work with a client is we, again, we go through the journey of their customer and we say, okay, yeah, you need five leads this month, but the people that buy this service or product that you sell, how often do they actually need to buy one? How often, when are they in the market for? Once every five years, every 10 years, every 20? I mean, even if it's every once a month, the odds are, you know, 29 out of 30 days of the month, they're not looking for you. So you have to figure out what needs to be accomplished with that person that's buying on the other end, and that's how long it takes. And you can't change that no matter how much you want to. So what ends up happening is, since it's frustrating because it's like, well, they only you know, they don't need us, but once every five years. So then what the business does and what the marketers tell you to do is say, okay, if someone's going to need you once every 1500 days, then all you have to do is hit 1500 times as many people. And one out of those 1500 will need you today. That's their logic because it's a computer and they can have volume. They can automate high volumes of activity. And so they end up focusing that business owner on the one that might need you today out of 1,500 and don't realize or don't pay attention that you're blowing off 1,499. So you've got to go back and figure out what the life is of your customer when they need you. And a lot of times, this is the thing that we spend a lot of time with with our clients, is a lot of times they don't even know when they're going to need you. There may be some event that has to happen in their life, a flood a current vendor that fails, an employee that quits, a big customer they land. There might have to be something that happens in their life that you don't have control of that makes them suddenly need what you offer. And so what do you do in the meantime? Well, <laughs> you can either try to find 1,500 of them and hit all of them all day long until one of them happens to have that moment, that thing happen in their life. Or you can make sure that you're building the relationship over time with them behind the scenes by not being, not pitching them all the time, but getting to know them as a person so that when that event happens, you're the most trusted person in their life that does what you do. 
And of course they call you and you get all the business from them all the time. That's again, traditional marketing. And it takes as long as it takes that client. Now, if you need a certain number of volume, a certain amount of volume of leads, certain amount of business, which you certainly do, then you do have to have a higher volume of relationships, but you still have to build all those relationships the way the client needs you to build that relationship. You can't shortcut it and just hit fire, 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 automate, 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 because you're not going to get there. That's great. So when we, so what pops into my head is all of this, you know, the, the importance of data, yeah. data-driven marketing. Yeah. So yes. is that leading people down a bad path? Uh, it is, but again, data itself isn't evil, but what is happening is, is that the people that are telling you what data to use are self-serving. So you're going to end up focusing on the data that the salesman of the marketing wants you to focus on. Opens, clicks, volume, download, time spent on website. Um, they're not going to look at it from a perspective that they can't look good in. They're getting to grade their own paper, right? So they bring in this concept of data driven to you. And guess what data they tell you to measure? Well, we, I love data. I mean, um, we get involved with data a lot with our clients, but we make sure it's the right data. And um, that's what's most important. I'll give you another great example of that. So um, when we do work with our clients and our clients are trying to build a real relationship with a human being on the other end of the email or the phone or whatever, the handshake, um, we measure from a data perspective, we measure response rate. Most marketers will measure something like open rate, click rate, right? Yeah. Well, those are very different. If you send out a message to 5,000 people and, you know, a typical digital campaign, your open rate will be 20% or 30, whatever the number is. And you're all excited about that. Well, we say, well, you just made 80% of the people mad if 20% of the people liked it. So that's a bad thing. Um, we flip that around and say, it doesn't matter if they opened it. It doesn't matter if they clicked because you can trick them into doing that. And that's what that leads you down that path to doing is tricking people to get that data to look like you just want it to look. What we say is instead, let's measure response rate. I want you to tell me how many people replied to you and said something nice back <laughs> and then get that number up. And then you know you're building real relationships. So we work with clients, we measure response rate. We don't measure click rate. And we, respond, we measure response rates that need to be 60, 70, 80%. If you send someone an email, I want 80% of the time for them to send something back. And then we not only measure that, we measure what's the quality of that response. Did they just reply, thanks? Or did they reply, thanks, by the way, that reminds me, blah, 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 blah. Did they spend some time replying back yeah. to you? You can measure that, how much time and energy they put back into that response. If you start measuring data like that, oh, man, now you're tracking whether you're building rapport with people, interacting with people, and that's moving the relationship forward. So it's a matter of what data you're looking at and make sure that the person picking that data isn't picking stuff that's just good for them and make sure it's really where your business needs to be going uh, from a data standpoint. This is so great. I am, as I said at the beginning of this, I am so glad that we are having this conversation because th this, you know, we've moved so quickly into this world that so many people don't necessarily understand. And one of the things that I yeah. hear from small business owners a lot is that they hear a lot of noise from marketers, but they don't know what it means and yeah. they don't know it's sort of a leap of faith, right? It's always this leap of faith right. sort of thing. And then they do things that just 
yeah. really don't work at all. And they've wasted all of that time and money and they're miserable. So, you know, I, I like how this takes it and says, okay, you can use it. You just have to use sure. it effectively. Yes. But start with what's effective. Don't just start with tools. This is, so um, I do a, a presentation um, when I speak at conferences, and one of, the, one of the ones that I do is called the seven components of a, of a relationship process. And we talk about how you can have a process to build real authentic relationships with people, keeping track of, like we said, the right data points and so on. And the seven things that are uh, components, uh, the, the number seven one, the last thing to do is pick the tool. It's more important to know what you want to say to someone and why you want to say it and what you want it to accomplish when you say it yeah. than it is to say, we got to do some LinkedIn, right? It could be that. So if you pick the tool last, you might realize, oh, I've got to call them or I've got to, I've got to send an email or I have to send a note card. If you start by saying, what can we do on social media? We got to do some of that social media stuff. Well, you're already lost because you started with the tool. Now you're a hammer. Now you're looking for nails and you're not even like you're going to totally go off track. Yeah. Yeah, boy, it's so important. This, yeah, this, uh, you've got to really have a good foundational base of understanding of your business and what your clients and prospects need, and then build around that and don't get enamored by the tools. Because the tool salesman will tell you that they can do everything. Wait, it slices, it dices, it, you know, it's like, yeah, it seems Fry. great when you're watching this on late night TV, <laughs> but then you start using it, it's like, oh, this is not helping. <laughs> this thing sucks. It's funny because yeah, you're talking right. about this and I'm thinking, this this is like when everyone says, well, you got to be on Facebook marketing. I'm yeah. Like, no, you don't. Wait, what? Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That depends. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. Yes. Well, as the Facebook's another great one. I mean, social media, we spend a lot of time with talking to clients about that one too. Like, are you listening to anyone? There's another one where we did that. We talked a minute ago about the wall in the, in the prospect's office with fly fishing photo. I mean, are you listening to what people are putting on their social media and using that as a way to find ways to build a better relationship with them, to find things you have in common and rapport building, or are you just using it as a way to try to get them linked to you so you can blast stuff at them? I mean, it's yeah. just yeah. how you're using Second. the tool. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're doing the second thing you said. Yeah, of course yeah. they are, right? Yes. And and yeah. so it's not the tool. The tool isn't evil. It's just how the tool is being used. And yeah. that's one of the things that I think, you know, when we look down the road a few years, we'll look back at this time in history in the marketing and say, wow, we just went crazy on that stuff. It's fine. It's good. It's a marketing tool, but it's so is television, so is billboards, so is, right. you know, flying an airplane with a, you know, banner behind it. You know? yeah. But it, it's just like, it's only appropriate when it's appropriate and using it the way it needs to be used is what's important. Yeah. Yeah. It's oh, here's the one, here's the line that I use all the time and I, and just kind of, I'm always amazed at how much is it catch, how much it catches people off guard. One of the things I say is that the online marketing community knows that what they're selling doesn't work for, for most businesses. And you know how they know that? And you know how I know they know that because they don't use it for themselves. Yeah, so good. I have a friend who's, a, who's an online marketer, and we don't talk business when we're together. But the guy travels 48 weeks a year doing speaking gigs. About And he travels around, and his speeches are all about the power of online marketing and how you have to be a part of this new modern way of doing it. Dude, you are traveling 48 weeks a year speaking to get customers for yourself because you can't use online marketing, and you're the expert <laughs> at it. It's ludicrous, and it's always crazy to me that no one sees that. You know, yeah. we have we have a 
um, I know another business that has 80 sales reps out on the street visiting local businesses to share with them the power of online marketing. Well, you've got 80 sales reps out selling that. Yeah. Can't you sell it with online marketing? So they know that they can't even get business with it, but they're in such denial and everyone, no one calls them on it that they're like, oh my God, I saw this guy speak at the conference and it was just the coolest thing ever. And he had these really cool slides and dashboard and like, yeah, he had to come to you in person. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to look back at this time and go, because, you know, and that's the other funny thing too, is when you go to a conference and you see this on the agenda, like, oh, cool, I'll go down my marketing session. But like I right. said, there's no, there's no session for, there's the power of a business card. There's no session for the, you know, for the, the strength of a, you know, whatever, a personal handwritten note card. So in some days, this will look just as dumb, right? They'd be like, remember, like every session was about online marketing. That was crazy. And the other crazy thing about it is they don't tell you anything new. So, so that's the other thing. Right. It's not like we've learned, oh, this is how it works. Right. Because they're doing the same presentation. I stopped going to them when I go to conferences because yeah, you don't thing. learn anything. Yeah, maybe it's a new technique to get people to open that you will fall for this. Now you put RE colon at the beginning of the tricky subject line to make them think maybe they sent you a message and you're responding. And that'll work for the next two weeks till we are like, oh, it's that thing again. And, you know, then the next thing is, is that you say, you know, following up on our previous discussion. And so they, they do keep coming up with new tricks, new sort of like sleazy yeah. techniques to get people to keep opening, click that thing to get their quote unquote data up. But it isn't, uh, yeah, it's just trickery. It's just. You know, it's trickery, and the problem with it is, you know, what I try and say to people is, you are hurting your reputation when you yes. do that, right? Because yes. as you said, it's you're not... pissing off eighty percent of the people right. who know better, right. and you're treating this is them the thing that when we talk, the actual, the actual business owner will say to me, you know. I just didn't think we should be doing this, but my team said we should, and the marketing company said we should. It just felt wrong, and I didn't know why, but now I realize why, because it's not, it doesn't fit our values. This is not how we treat people. It's like, oh, you're right, yeah, okay. So, so yeah, it's just, um, but it seems like everybody's doing it, so, okay, I guess we should too. So that's kind of what I'm out saying is, no, you shouldn't, and you're going to be able to get ahead. In fact, clients we work with who really start building those authentic relationships, you do something like switch your metric from open rate or click rate to response rate, all of a sudden you're standing out because everyone else is doing all this junk. And it's like, now you actually have an advantage over everybody until everyone else figures out that the online stuff doesn't work. You can <laughs> actually get an advantage right now by being authentic because no one exactly. else is. Exactly. Yeah. I know. It's so true. And I, and I believe that there are people who are never going to get it because they want that, that, you know, snake oil. They want that quick and easy fix. And so they convince themselves that this really is the thing that's going to do it for them. Yes, absolutely. There is a, there's a lot of denial, a lot of denial in the industry, the people that sell it and also in the industry of people buying it. But, and I say, um, in a way, I think a good analogy is that uh, online marketing is now like the fast food of marketing, right? Um, it's really not good for you in the short term. Yeah. Okay. You're full and it was, it's good, but um, it's one of those things in life that feels good in the short run, but ruins things in the long run. So it's, it's some people just can't stop eating fast food though. Right. So that's true. Or like the yeah. diet, right? It's yes. Like, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great. I got to take a quick sponsor break and then I want to continue. You Accelerate bet. Your Business Growth Podcast is happy to be sponsored by audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. 
They have over 150,000 titles to choose from, and you can listen to them on any device, including whatever you're hearing us on right now. And if you sign up at our link, which is audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth, you get one free audiobook and a one-month trial of the service. Some examples of books you can listen to on audible.com are Built to Sell by John Warlow and The Irresistible Consultant's Guide to Winning Clients by David A. Fields. So visit audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth, explore the books that are of interest to you, and receive one free audiobook when you sign up for the trial. Today we're speaking with Bill Troy about how online marketing can destroy your business, something he calls quicksand and talks about in his book, Quicksand. Uh, so um, what was I going to ask you? Shoot, there was something I was going to ask you before I went on the sponsor break. Um, so there are, we were talking about how people convince themselves and, and are sort yes. of in denial. And there are people who believe that they are actually running successful digital marketing campaigns. Yes. Okay. So what do you say to them? Well, I'm sure there are. I mean, again, there's nothing wrong with online marketing and it fits a few businesses out there. If you're an e-commerce business and you know, your whole thing is about selling something that's transactional, it's a $5 sale or, you know, whatever. I mean, it, it might work. Uh, you know, certainly Amazon makes it, makes a lot of money just with online marketing and online e-commerce. So, it's just that it doesn't work for probably 95% of the businesses out there, certainly Main Street businesses and service businesses and things like that. So um, I think it's just, again, a matter of looking to see if you're really making money. You know, when we sit down with a client and put a marketing strategy together, we say they should get a 10x return. If you spend a dollar, you should get $10 back, minimum, minimum. And so if you're running a campaign, you're spending whatever, you know, $2,000 a month on some software and a consultant and keywords and and you're generating 5,000 a month in sales, you're not, it's not getting done. You need to be generating hundreds of thousands of dollars. Right. And what we usually find, and this is why it's a little nerve wracking when we first talk to clients about this, because we say to them, probably what you need to do is, is cut out the volume. They're, th they're feeling there's a safety in volume. Well, we have 5,000 people on our email newsletter, or I have 3,000 followers on LinkedIn, like, like that size of the audience uh, gives them a feeling of safety, like they're getting something done. And what we say is, you know what? That's probably a problem. Um, you probably only need 100 people. And they're like, what? Well, yeah, you just need to know who the right 100 people are. Yeah. So let's go back, and we do this with client multi-million dollar businesses, three million, five million in business that we find out they've gotten all that, you know, like 80% of their business has come in from 16 relationships former clients that have gone on to other businesses and taken them in there or referral sources, you know, complimentary businesses that refer them in say, you got to call Jack because he has this great thing. And when we show them that, they're like, you're right. It's like 16 people that drive all of our business. Okay. Well, let's go crazy and say, let's try to get that 16 up to 32 and double the size of your company with only 32 people. And then we'll say, well, we can expand it a little bit. So maybe we'll try to find a hundred people in your sphere of influence in your world to build 32 good relationships. It's just a completely different model. And I'll have to tell you, it's a little scary. Some people are afraid to give up their 14,000 people on their email newsletter list because it's like, oh gosh, but well, that's 14,000 people that could buy for us. But then we go and say, but they don't. Yeah. <laughs> so 
that's the key. That's a difficult thing. And it's so tempting to think, gosh, 14,000 people. And again, it's back to the data-driven thing. We got 14,000 people. And we get a 2% open rate. So that's 280 people that read my newsletter every week. And it just seems like that's so successful until you look and say, but show me any clients. You're not getting any business. So that's the yeah. secret is figuring out where business really, really comes from in your business. And if it's from online marketers, if you can show me that your three biggest customers came to you from keyword search and then bought through your website and an email inquiry, totally keep doing that. It's just that right. that doesn't happen in the real world where most right. businesses. Well, and, and, you know, you were talking about Amazon. Amazon does a ton yeah. of advertising. Yeah. Yeah, it's traditional advertising. Yeah. yeah. In yeah, right. uh, seriously. Yeah. So it's they're not just relying on online marketing. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Point. There are very, yeah. very few businesses where online marketing by itself can yeah. actually move the needle. Yeah, it just doesn't happen. It's just maybe a component of a strategy, but just make sure as a component it isn't ruining everything else you're doing. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Speaking of that, and, and we talked a little bit earlier about how there's so many marketing companies out there who are really good at pitching, but then whatever. How does a business owner find a good marketing partner? Right. Um, hmm. Well, <laughs> I think it's dark. The first thing I would say is that a good marketing partner will be someone that doesn't come to you with a pre-prepared uh, recipe that they already believe in. If they have something in mind before they meet with you and learn about your business, then they're not a good partner. Then they're just selling what they want to do. And that's really what happens a lot, right? So they need to sit down and learn what's unique about your business. Dude. You know, we touched on earlier the fact that your customer has a a unique journey to buy from you. And even within the same industry, if you're selling the same thing as a competitor, your customers will have a unique journey to you because whatever is different about you will cause them to think of you, you know, maybe you have more innovative products or your prices are lower or your quality is higher. So even compared to a competitor, the people who buy from you will be slightly different. And so you'll want to figure out what's unique about the people that are the right kind of customer for you, where they're at, what they're going through, what the events are that have to happen in their life. And the right marketing partner will want to explore all that with you. And then we'll build a strategy that fits that and fits what you need to accomplish and what your customers need to accomplish. And, um, you know, not come into you and say, if they come in telling about what they do, here's what we do. Here's, here's how we succeed. Like they're run away from that. Yeah. Uh, thanks for that. I, I think that's yeah. really valuable. And, and one of the things that, that I think people have to embrace is that they're not going to sell to everybody. They're not going to yes. sell to anybody, right? There's very yes. specific people or businesses they are going to sell to. Exactly right. And the more specific you can be, which again is scary sometimes because you feel like yeah. you're limiting your possibilities, the more specific you can be, the more you can sell because then you're, it's very clear that you're a good fit for them and why they would choose you over someone else. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. But that really yeah. is scary for people. They really are. I, you hear so many people say, well, we can do that. And then, it, you know, the, the next thing out of my mouth is, okay, you can, but should you? And yes, really, you know, where right. should you spending your time? Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So 
we are in this very strange place that we have been for not that long. Right. Um, where do you really, I mean, do you see the marketing landscape changing soon? I do. Or like, where do you see it yeah. five years from now? So uh, what's going to happen, and this is kind of funny because I don't know how many people are talking about this, but I've, I've got some my good friends at Fraser Hybe did a study recently um, about uh, generational, what it takes to build trust with people of different generations. And they looked at three different generations, Gen X, baby boomers, and millennials. And they found that there were three different ways you can build trust with people. And of course, this was generalized because it's by generation. But uh, but there were three the three different ways to build trust in a business setting was the first one was through credentials, right? I'm certified of this, or I've got a degree in that, or I'm the president of such and such association. So you've got credentials to say that you're an expert in the field. The second way to build trust with a potential customer was to have done it before. Um, experience. We've helped seven companies, you know, go public or whatever. So it's actual results that you've delivered. And the third way was treating the customer as a unique individual and getting to know them personally. And it turned out that all three of the generations had different views of what was important as far as whether they could trust someone or not. Um, and I always forget which is which, but the, the Gen X and the baby boomers each liked credentials and past performance. Uh -huh. But the millennials liked being treated as unique individuals. And this fits their personality, right? In general, we know the millennials like to be special, like to be one of a kind. And so if you came to them and said, we're the number one in the industry, that doesn't, look, that doesn't ring true with them at all. They couldn't care less. Yeah. If you get to know them as individual people, though, then that builds trust with them. Well, here's the thing. In the next five to 10 years, Millennials are going to be buying everything. They're going to be in charge. So what I found is that individual personal relationships are going to become more important over the next few years as millennials begin to be the customer we're all selling to. And so it's going to increase in importance to build personal bond uh, with a potential customer and not decrease. So just because computers are coming out with tools that can automate and blast away it's going to become even worse to do that because the customer on the other end is going to like that even less than they have. That's fascinating. I can totally see that. And what's so interesting is they are so, you know, what are, what do they call them? Digital natives or because yes, right. They, right. They grew up with it. They, they know nothing sure. else. And yet, and yet, right. Careful. They're ugh. right. Wow. Yeah, so just because they're digital natives doesn't mean that they don't want to be treated as an individual person, you know? Right. So if you so if you get good at that, if you can do that in the world where everyone else is just doing all this automated stuff, just thinking because they're digital natives that you can just blast stuff. Now, I think that, again it's going to be more opportunity to stand out of the next few years if you really quote unquote get what's going on behind the scenes in your customer's life. That's so interesting because I do. I hear people say all the time, well, the only way you can reach these kids sure. is, you know, through their phones. Like, okay, yeah, true. Yeah, and, I mean, yeah, that's, yeah, but, so the right? only way to reach people in the 1940s was, you know, through fraternal organizations, right? You had to be, you had to be at the Elks Lodge or the Eagles Lodge or whatever to do business. Yeah, and then, yeah. you know, it had to be in a rotary or whatever. Fine. Yeah. But you still had to, you know, that was just where people right. were. So if they are in the digital world, fine. But that doesn't mean you have to treat them, you know, like an automated 
you know, machine, they still right. want to be cared about. So, yeah. yeah, that's your challenge. Figure out how to care about them, where they're at, and uh, not just try to use that, you know, as some trick. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Oh, this is so great. Okay, so so tell me why you wrote the book and tell the listeners about your book, please. Right. So, so well, sort of the big picture why I wrote the book is just that I, I'm just kind of a truth teller. I feel like someone needs to say this, you know, no one's <laughs> saying this. And I, I didn't find anyone out there who was saying what I felt needed to be said about the online marketing world. It was just all so full of this. This is the most amazing thing. The world has changed. It's going to be different forever. And it's like, wait a minute. And so, our, at our business at Civilis, we have a lot of clients come to us. Most all the clients that come to us come to us after having tried multiple iterations of the of the online marketing thing and having it not work. And they usually come to us saying, "Can you help us fix this?" And because um, they hear we do something different, and then it's often that we say to them, "Yeah, just stop it. Just stop. You're hurting yourself." Um, it usually catches them off guard. But we had a client come to us, and this was a real small business. Um, usually, we're working with much larger companies, but someone heard what we did and said that we could help you know clients and build relationships. And so, um, a husband and wife came to us, and they had purchased some kind of online shopping catalog where it was easy, make money while you sleep kind of thing, drop ship. You just put a catalog online and you buy the right keywords and drive traffic with keywords to your website. And then people buy the products they buy anyway, but they buy it through your website and you get a piece of the business and you can retire. They had actually taken their retirement nest they can put it into this business model. And we looked at it and it was like, this doesn't work. You lose money on every sale because the keywords you want are really high value keywords and you're bidding up against other businesses and you can't make money and there's no, there aren't any tricky keywords, okay? And you've tried long tail keywords and this just, just doesn't financially work. You got sold a bill of goods, unfortunately, right? By a sleazy salesman. Yeah. It seemed really good in the PowerPoint presentation at the conference you were at. And, uh, but the difficulty was they didn't have another option. They had put all their money into this. And it was just heartbreaking for us because there wasn't a solution. There was no way to do it. The answer was you shouldn't be doing this, but it's too late. They've already done it. So that was the day that I, I said, okay, I, somebody needs to say this out there because it's one thing for a multi-million dollar company to come to us that's trying this initiative and isn't getting the results they want. And we can say to them, you know, get your salespeople back out on the road or start making some phone calls or send note cards or whatever we can say to them. And okay, that's just a blip in the life of their business. But this was like, you know, the entire business life of these people. And so we just felt like the people are being sold a bill of goods and someone needs to say it. And I'm just got kind of a personality where I feel like, okay, <laughs> I'll be the guy to raise my hand and say, the emperor has no clothes. Um, and so that was really the inspiration to write the book. And uh, so we said, we got to start saying what's going on out there. And I got to tell you, since I've been out there talking about the quicksand concept, so many people are coming up and saying, I've been thinking this, but I didn't want to say it. I was like, you don't want to, you know, like be the only person in the room that says, does this not work for you guys? Because everyone feels like they're just all saluting the flag. And so that was the inspiration to write the book was that story. Like, oh, we've got to stop this. You know, don't, you know, I don't know how many people we've saved by getting the message out there, but I'm trying to just make sure whether you use us or use some other marketing firm, at least recognize the pitch you're getting from people yeah. and don't fall for it if it's not right for you. Well, I am so grateful that you wrote the book and that you joined me here because that is exactly right. No one wants to be the person to say, oh, yeah. wait a minute. This, you know, it's like, 
I, I was going to say like, you know, Starbucks, you know, most people don't like the taste of the coffee. <laughs> I'm not going to say that they don't because it's a yeah. thing, you know, so yeah. There's a whole social pressure around online marketing, yeah. and it's one of the things I talk about in the book that is helping it succeed beyond what it should because uh, it's, it feels generational. It feels like it's young people that get it. You know, your, your niece or your nephew know how to do this thing like we talked about, them being digital natives. So if you're older as a business owner, you're thinking, well, all right, I'm just I'm past my time. I just don't get this. The, the kids get something I don't get, so I guess we'll go with it. And uh, I don't want to look out of touch by saying I think it doesn't fit our values because, oh, well, that, that's old fuddy-duddy thinking. And so, like, no, it doesn't fit your values. And, you know, right. it's, it's crazy to me how many times we see, this is stereotypical to say, but we see a business that's been built over years and years and years hand the keys to the car to someone that's just out of school because that person took five marketing classes in college and knows, knows online and is on Facebook all the time. So, well, they, they know how marketing works these days. So let's give them the keys to steer the entire company. Um, you know, the person has no life experience, has no understanding of what the customer's life is like. And that's just, it runs off the rails quick. No kidding. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you for being the crusader. I, I appreciate it. I know my listeners appreciate it because the, the, this is going to be such a relief for them that they are going to run out and get your book, which they can get where? Well, it's available everywhere, bookstores, Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble. Um, it's, we, I, we have a website if you want to go uh, to read a little bit more. It's clicksand, C-L-I-C-K-S-A-N-D.net. Um, and yeah, I think even uh, on the, on that website, you, if you want to start a conversation with me, I love talking about this all day. So you can tell it gets my blood going. So we can even chat about it and have hey a personal relationship if you want. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> oh, now and by the way, when you go to quicksand.net, there is no option to sign up for my newsletter. I do not have fourteen thousand email newsletter followers that get blasted every week. So I just oh, have coffee with people great. occasionally and we chat. It's another reason to go to the site. It's so great. I'm feeling liberated already. I just I can throw away my list. It's so wonderful. There you go. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much sure. for being here. And I want well, to thank the It's fantastic to get the word out, so I appreciate you helping uh, spread the word. Oh, heck, sure. Absolutely, as much as I possibly can. I'm happy to. Um, and I uh, also want to thank the sponsor, audible.com. If you would like to get a free trial, of audible.com and a free audiobook, go to audibletrial.com slash business growth to sign up. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And hey, while you're at it, be curious about your customers, get to know them as people. And until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. Hi, my name is Sarah, and I want to tell you about my podcast called can I offer you some feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding, or seeking. Feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. 
I'll also be sharing Business Bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com.